In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By their fruits, you shall know them. Well, one of the advantages that I have of being ordained 47 years is that I've had an opportunity to look at quite a few gospel texts for sermons, haven't I? <laughs> you know, every now and then I will be talking with a priest who says, oh, Bishop, you know, I've been at St. Swithin so long, when should I move on? And I said, I think three, six, nine, or 12. And they would say, why is that? And I said, because that's the number of times that people will have heard your three-year cycle of sermons. So you get to decide whether they get one cycle, two cycle, or three cycles in the three-year cycle. But all kidding aside, as I have looked at the texts over the years, one of the blessings is the texts have never changed. Isn't that marvelous? I mean, you know, everything else that you're involved in in your life seems to change even when you don't want it to. But the text hasn't changed. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his word has not changed. Put differently, God hasn't changed his mind. Now, the world thinks that God has changed his mind, or at least they're hoping he will. But he hasn't. Someone once said to one of my deacons years ago, I haven't really heard your bishop say anything highly original. <laughs> well, the deacon says, you're absolutely right. He's so busy trying to make sure everybody knows what the original word of Jesus is about. What more can you say? The purpose of the sermon is not to tell you what Jesus forgot to say. But, but if you look carefully at this text today, I will tell you this, that some of my sermon illustrations have had to change. Because every now and then I mentioned a TV show, and now I look at the faces and the ages of people in the pews, and they're saying, what is he talking about? <laughs> or I mentioned a product. Or I mentioned a store, and it's been sold four times, you know? So the text doesn't change, but the sermon illustrations are in regular upgrade, if you catch my drift. <clears throat> but one of the things that has caught me about this gospel for today, and you'll notice that I did not open with a sentence from the gospel, but I said, by their fruits you shall know them for a particular purpose. So let's look at the text and see what's happening. As I think about a more modern way of looking at this, what happens is the bishop is in his office and three priests come in and they are really upset. I know that doesn't happen often, but work with me. <laughs> and so the three priests come in upset about something and that's because all three of them went to the same seminary, all three of them were there for three years and they studied healing, and they've got their oil stock with them because they carry it, you know, in the Diocese of Quincy. The saying was, remember what the bishop says, don't leave home without it. Forget American Express. Is that still 
a possible, okay. <coughs> okay. And so what it really means is that I wanted my clergy walking out with their holy oil stock with OI, which is the, for the anointing of the sick, and they're stoles, so they're ready at all times. And so these three priests are there looking at the bishop, and they say, we just saw some healing going on, and they didn't go to the seminary we went to. Oh, that's right. Only one seminary teaches how to heal people. Oh, thank you for that. So is this a function of the seminary? I don't think so. I don't think so. And that was part of the problem with the apostles. They were complaining that there were some people who hadn't gone to apostles' seminary. <laughs> After all, think about it for a moment. How many years is seminary usually? Three. And how many years was Jesus' public ministry? Three. You ever thought about that before? So these apostles went to Apostles Seminary, and they were convinced that they were the only ones who could do anything in the name of Jesus because they had the credentials. Now, I know lots of people with credentials, don't you? But isn't it extraordinary how many times people without credentials tell you something that is more truthful and perhaps even more profound? than somebody who has the appropriate credentials. But let me tell you what it gets down to today. And this is a problem with all leadership in all places, whether it be the church or whether it be secular. And it is this, that people oftentimes don't know the difference between power and authority. Let me say it again. People today oftentimes, not just today, do not know the difference between power and authority. Now, as you can appreciate, again, 47 years, I have heard a lot of confessions. In fact, I've even thought if I were to write another book, it might say something like, uh, thinking inside the box. <laughs> and. I also was once upon a time a confessor to an order of Anglican monks and then an order of Anglican nuns. And somebody once said to me, Bishop, that's remarkable, but you mean they, they confess sins? And I said, well, you know, hearing the confessions of nuns is like being pelted with marshmallows. <laughs> But they're real sins for them, and they are sins, and in that community, their sin could disrupt community if they did not correct it. Now, when I've heard confessions, the usual absolution that we've had for a great deal of our history goes like this. Our Lord Jesus Christ left power to his church to absolve all sinners who truly repent and return to him of his great mercy forgive you all your offenses and by his authority committed to me I absolve you from all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the most traditional form of absolution that is used when hearing a private confession. Did you hear power and authority? Okay, power comes from God. 
The church is the body of Christ. Power is given to the church under certain conditions, provided that the church functions as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, but then authority is given to those who serve in that community. And when those in authority start believing that they are the ones who have the power instead of God, and instead of Holy Mother Church, that's when they really start getting in trouble. Now there's another element I want to introduce to you, and it's this. I want you all to think about your childhood, some of the things your parents said to you, and then I want you to think at various points in your life where you've said, I would never say what my mother or my father told me when I was a child. And then one day you are correcting your children and you hear your mouth and words moving and saying the very same thing that your mother or father said to you. Mind you, by now you've had some education, some experience, some training. And now you're saying the same thing. Well, it's a very interesting principle in life that when people are in high stress, high difficult situations, that they often return to earlier forms of behavior. That's something you can think about this week. When put in high stress, terribly difficult circumstances, people oftentimes go back to earlier forms of behavior, which may not be very good. Well, think about it for a moment. If you have a dog, a beautiful dog who loves you, licks your face, but that dog gets out in the street and gets hit by a car, but by God's grace survives, you think the first thing that dog is going to do is lick your face? That dog goes back to the earliest form of behavior to protect itself. It will probably bite you. And so we will notice in God's creation that oftentimes his creation goes back to earlier forms of behavior, which means, beloved in Christ, you and I, you ready for this one? Oftentimes go back to the garden of Eden. And sometimes we even go back to the upper room. Has it ever puzzled you a little bit that the graduates of Apostles Seminary, when they were at the Last Supper, and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, responded by saying, is it I, Lord? What does it tell you? That inside of each one of them, there was the potential. But now what comes into force is free will. God didn't create robots, so every day you and I are involved in something difficult, we have the choices of whether we're going to go back to earlier forms of inappropriate behavior 
or step forward in faith under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's precisely why I wanted to start with, by their fruit you shall know them. If you're a parent and you have a child in great need of healing, and you have the priest come in, and you have others come in, and they anoint, and they lay hands, and they're official because they belong to, you know, the order of fill in the blank, And you're blessed by their presence, but then a somewhat unskilled person comes in and prays over your child and your child gets better. Are you going to tell that person, leave my house, you're not authorized? Well, you see, if we believe that individuals have power, I get it. But individuals do not have power. But they have been given authority. But authority is never given to be used to lord over other people. Never. Because when that happens, then we replace authority with power. Now, in my other life, if you will, <clears throat> which doesn't matter, but in my training, uh, pre-seminary, well, I could say sometimes they called me a shrink, but I told them I was an expander. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I've discovered is how many times I've heard this saying, you ready for this one? This may cause a few of you to drop out on remembering famous sayings my mother told me, but it goes like this, sticks and stones Wow. Let's see how many Bible verses you've memorized. <laughs> but you've carried that with you. Now I want you to know something. In my years of counseling, even before I went to seminary where I did a lot with people, I never counseled anybody for broken bones. Never. But my goodness gracious, have I counseled people for words that still haunt them and hurt them. Think about your own life. You still have a few memories, words, thoughts, situations that still haunt you? And if they're still haunting you, would you like to be healed of that? Wouldn't you like one day to wake up and realize that that has no power over you any longer? No authority over you? No grab over you? Well, Jesus is going to heal you today. Every day is a new day for a healing. Every day is a new day for a healing. Why do you think we are part of a tradition that believes in seven sacraments? Because healing, if you look in the Bible, my word, how many times in the Bible you see Jesus tied up with healing? Why would we not want to acknowledge that it's a sacrament? That it is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace instituted by Christ, etc., etc., as our catechism teaches us. It's because Jesus wants us to be a healing church. 
In fact, he feels so strongly about it, he says that if any one of us leads someone astray, it would be better that a millstone be tied around their neck and they'd be dropped in the sea. Now, if you've ever seen the size of the millstones in the Holy Land, you'll get the idea. So I leave you with this today, dear friends in Christ. Jesus really wants to heal you. He may or may not use the people or the circumstances that you are accustomed to. But he will heal you because he is the one with the power and the rest of us just show up to do what we've been called to do. One person said to me one day, Bishop, would you please pray about the weather changing because we have things that we're setting up and, and on and on, and we know you can do it. And I finally had to look at the person and say, thank you, but I'm in sales, not management. <laughs> I mean, when I get in trouble is when I think that I should work for the Lord in an advisory capacity. And that's when I start thinking more about authority entering into power. And it's not that. But let me tell you, in, finally, what a healing community is. A healing community is where you can go into that community and start the day fresh all over again without your memories of past slights or the he said this, she said that, I'm upset by that, on and on. Holy smokes. You know what that's like. But it's where you can go into a community where you know that you are loved, you are forgiven, and that is healing. What a terrible thing it is to have to bear the burden of every word we've ever said being taken in, an, in another way. Or the way in which we have taken words that have been shared with us. What a burden it is to have to carry that around. Because guess what? There's no bungee cords attached to our words. But there is forgiveness. There's healing. There's the power of God there's the power that we see upon the cross, where Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And what that means is you don't have to carry those burdens any longer. When you come to communion today, I want you to visualize that there's sort of like a, um, a basket there. And when you come up, I'd like you to drop all of those burdens in that basket, then receive communion, and then go back. Leave the burdens here. Come unto me, all you that travail and are heavily laden, and I will refresh you. And so, look at your parish right now. Wonderful place that it is. And recognize that you are the representation of your parish. And the people seeing you will say, by their fruits, you shall know them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.